All right, let's open our Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 4, the book of beginnings. If you have a serious doctrinal question, you can always go back to the book of beginnings, Genesis. You'll find the principle in there somewhere. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 responsively, and let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. If you look again at the, the end of verse 4, it says, The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about the offering of respect but and the fact that when you think about it, though in one place in the Bible it tells us God is not a respecter of persons, this tells us that He is. God is a respecter of persons because He had respect unto Abel and to His offering, had not respect unto Cain and uh, His. Let's pray. Father, we pray that You bless the message. We yield Your Spirit. We pray that you would lead and guide us as to what to say and how to say it, uh, that it would have an impact on our lives. You'd speak to our hearts, help us to focus for this short time on uh, our relationship with thee, understanding uh, we need to seek thy respect into us, into what we do and what we offer. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Actually, when you think about this, God is a respecter of works. He doesn't respect persons per se, as we'll talk about randomly, but He is a respecter of works. So this isn't random or premeditated. It's not calculated favoritism, uh, but... God does respect certain people according to His sovereignty and providence and by His will. So all of us then ought to seek the blessing of the Lord and to get into His favor or to get under His favor. And really the choice is ours. Will we be respected by God or not? Will He have respect unto us like Abel or have none, no respect as He treated Cain? Psalm 1 is the perfect example of this. You know, I've had this memorized for 30 years. I used to have a lot of chapters memorized. I've forgotten a lot of them, especially Psalm 119. Just saying, if, if any of you are listening or know what that means. But uh, it's a perfect example. Uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, and doeth these things. But then it says the ungodly are not so. It finishes off the psalm. 
So there's blessed people. There are cursed people. Not that God chooses in the beginning, but God waits to see what they do, how they live, the decisions they make. Are they godly or ungodly? So the respect is not beforehand. It's after these decisions are made. And as we talked about many times, decisions determine our destiny. It's not fatalism and there's nothing you can do about it. Your decisions will determine whether God respects you or not. Your decisions will, uh, will determine whether God blesses you or not. And I say this all the time, it's very encouraging. Your life can be changed by one really great decision. Amen. You could have a blessed life, the hand of God on your life, or you could have a destructive life, cursed life by one foolish decision. So if our priorities are right, we put God first. He will and, and go by the way of the blood, the old rugged cross. God is going to respect us. But you, you look at it. Why is it that some are blessed, others are not? Some have an awareness of the blessings of God, but then other people are totally deceived and, and they don't understand what a blessing is at all. But Cain made this one big decision, ruined his life, and what we need to learn from this is that Cain expected God to accept and respect his way. So he was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. And so God requires the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He thought that God would respect him in his limited scope. Actually, he was a type of a narcissist. It was all about him. Wasn't about God. Wasn't about what pleased God. Wasn't about what God required as a sacrifice. He, in his limited scope, rejected the blood. And so he tilled the ground. He said, this is what I do. This is my inclination. This is my tendencies. So he brought what? An offering of the ground. And I see this happen a lot. People will not repent of themselves. You know, he was a tiller of the ground. I'll bring the first of the, of the ground. And God did not respect it. God did not respect him. And a lot of times people will say, that's just not me. Uh, I'm not like that. I'm not religious. I don't like organizations. Always trying to make an excuse, but the reality is God only respects those that do what He says. I know that's real deep truth. You either do what God says, accept the Word of God as the final authority, obey the commandments, Jesus said, and by this you, all men will know that you love Me, and if you have love one toward another, and do what He said, bring the right sacrifice, live right, and He will respect you. And if He does, the, it talks about He loadeth us with benefits. The fringe benefits are unbelievable, but He will bless us so unbelievably, and you will know that you're being blessed, and it will change your whole life. So, a lot of times, 
people parrot what they've been taught or they've just heard something, they keep saying it, and they don't study it, and they think it's true. But So then they start saying it, they've heard it, they've quoted it, they believe it, and then they start thinking uh, unscripturally. But such is the case with the blessing, just like Psalm 1. You're blessed if you do these things. The ungodly are not so. Just like Abel was blessed and respected, Cain was not. And so a lot of times we don't know what a blessing is, and we don't even know the definition of the word biblically. And so we don't know how to define it, or we don't know what it means when it happens. And we don't know the result and why God does it. So you'll hear a lot of good old Baptists say, isn't that a blessing? You know, you can't say blessing, blessing. Uh, the, the Lord blessed me. Isn't this good the Lord blessed us? Or uh, something happened with my health, it's a blessing. Or something happened, I got a raise, I got a job or whatever financially. Uh, isn't that a blessing? And it could be a blessing or it may not. Uh, so the average Christian doesn't even know what the word means or what, what one is and how to get it and why God bestows them upon his people. And I ask you, what, how would you define in a questionnaire just between you and God? You're taking your test. What is the definition of a blessing? You know, most people think it's good things that happen to us in life that bring us happiness. And that's partially true. But there's much more about this, and we need to know it because you're either blessed or you're not. You, you are either respected of God or He has no respect. And I realize that uh, when Peter was preaching and uh, he was talking about to the Gentile church in Acts uh, 10 that God is not a respecter of persons. That's very true. God does not choose some people and say, I will respect them. I won't respect them. I like that guy. I will respect him. Or I'm singling out this person. They're blacklisted. I will never respect them. Um, that is, God doesn't treat us that way. He's an honest, fair, just, equitable God of truth. Even though He did accept and respect Israel and He chose them by His sovereignty. That's why people don't like that. Why there's so much anti-Semitism in the world, it's getting worse and worse, because they don't like the fact that God chose Israel. They can't handle it. Now, if you want to have respect to God, you have to respect whom He respected. That's pretty good. You've got to respect that God respected Israel. If you don't want to be respected by God, then just turn into an anti-Semite. So, a person separate from their lifestyle, separate from their uh, decision-making, God does never respect them. God is fair and honest. The Bible says that Christ died for the world, that whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. And... The uh, hyper-Calvinism heresy of the 
right-wing Presbyterians of John Knox started this where God chose some people to go to heaven, some to go to hell. And notice almost always the people who believe that are the ones God chose to go to heaven. Uh, even though I had a person tell me one time, God wants me to go to hell. He chose me to go to hell. I said, no, we didn't. You're choosing to reject Christ and go to hell. So God is not a respecter of persons, but God respects the decisions we make. And this is evidence in Genesis 4, as we read in the text. And so Genesis, the book of beginnings, this is all about the blood atonement, the blood of the cross, the blood of our Savior, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. For all have come uh, sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the soul that sinneth, it will surely die. But praise the Lord, God sent His Son to vicariously die in our place and shed His very own blood. And that blood, uh, after the burial and the resurrection, Christ took that blood as our high priest to the mercy seat in the literal throne room in heaven of God and he sprinkled it and he sat down at the right hand of the Father and he ever liveth to make intercession for us. And the Bible says we are saved to the uttermost. Past, present, future sin paid for and we have eternal security. We are preserved in him but the average child of god or professing christian mistakes good circumstances for blessings and this is what i want to emphasize it doesn't say in psalm 1 that if you live in a nice home and have two nice cars and a pension plan and you have a high standard of living and uh good good uh salary, benefits, stock options, you have some real estate, uh, that you're blessed. doesn't say that. It says you're going to do three things, and I'm not going to go into it, but it's all about your walk with God and your separation from the world. If you're disobedient, you're not going to get blessed. If you're out of the will of God, you're not going to get blessed. If you're casual playing church, you are not going to get blessed. And, but what most people call blessing is a natural occurrence of life that good things come and bad. But in America, at least up to this point, because of our high standard of living, most people call being an American citizen a blessing or a benefactor of the American dream as being a blessing and it's simply not true you know if, if i've heard people actually say you know i went i went and bought me a new car it's really a blessing i don't know <laughs> not till that first payment comes in uh, you know or you might have got a lemon hopefully not uh, but you know just because you got a job and you have enough discipline to go to work and buy something doesn't mean it's a blessing that's any American can go buy a car. I mean, that's not a blessing necessarily. Just because you got a new house or new furniture or some new clothes or acquired some nice possession or maybe you accomplished something you worked hard for or 
you went to the doctor and they told you the right pill to take and some of your physical problems went away. That's not necessarily a blessing because you can go buy stuff in America. That don't mean you're blessed. And in America's healthcare system, they're not always right. That's why they're still practicing. But, you know, you can go to the doctor. You may go to a specialist. They may somehow figure out something that's wrong with you and help you out, maybe temporarily, maybe for longer than that. But because of the high-tech medical world unless we live in, you can't necessarily say that was a blessing. Because a lot of heathen go to the doctor and get healed, and they're not blessed. And a lot of Satanists go to the doctor and get feeling better, and they're not blessed. And a lot of hedonists live that way, and they go to the doctor every time they got a, a tummy ache. Just because something occurs, something happened, somebody said something nice to you. Oh, that was a blessing. Maybe, maybe not. So the worldly viewpoint uh, limits blessings to physical, financial, uh, temporal, worldly positives. Positives. Anything good that could happen. Something, remember that song, something good is going to happen to you today. Well, not if you're John the Baptist. Could get rest in your head cut off. That was Oral Roberts' sales pitch to all those kooks that fell for the charismaniac movement. Since when are we supposed to look for good all the time? Since when is life always to be positive? So if that were true, then the richest men in the world who run the world and the world banks are blessed of God with their hostile takeovers and all the stuff going on out there. No, the word blessing the word actually means happy, to be happy. And what does the Bible say? Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. So it's to become a beneficiary of God's goodness based on obedience to his word. That's, if you really want to summarize it, that's what it is. It's when God does something good to you and for you and for your family because you are right with him in his will. You've, you've had respect because you brought the sacrifice he required, the blood of Christ, and you are obedient. Blessed is the man. The ungodly are not, are not so. So, you know that old, that, uh, I remember I heard this a long time ago, this old Tommy preacher was preaching, and he said, uh, he was preaching on giving and tithing. And a man after church said, I don't want to serve a God that wants my money. What type of God is selfish and wants my money? And he came up to the preacher and he says, I don't think I, I this isn't for me. I don't want a God that wants my money. What a selfish God. And the preacher looked him in the eye and he says, let me tell you something, sir. God doesn't just want your money. He wants your wallet the money's in. He wants your pants the wallet's in. And he wants the man in the pants. And God wants everything you have. Money has nothing to do with it. If you give God your life, he'll get your money. Money's nothing. And people have it all backwards. 
know, if we think about right now our present situation, physically, financially, relationship, your family, your church life, your ministry, your career, your source of income, your health, all these things. What has caused this? Is this the blessing of God? The mercy of God? The benefits of God? Or could it be that this is a rejection of being in the will of God? A rejection of understanding the offering that Abel brought, the blood sacrifice. Could this be also that for some of us, we're just in America? I mean, come anybody can get a car. When they went, when they had uh, car payments at zero percent interest, I'm like, this is crazy. This this can't be right because, you know, when I was a kid, for a booming economy, you have to have about an eight to ten percent interest, and we wouldn't like that today. But and then real estate doubles every twenty years, at least. Though I mean, it's just cranking economy. I mean, we're down to where you can't even make money putting it in a bank. It's, it's such a corrupt system, and they just keep lowering the interest rate and, and printing false money that's not backed up by the gold standard, and it's going to bust someday. But, you know, a, a lot of people, they look at, well, yeah, I can go down and get a car. Yeah, it's not, you don't have to make very much money. You can go buy a car. Now, that could be a blessing. For most people, it's not, because almost everybody has at least two of them. Some people have three or four, and they're not blessed of God. So many so-called blessings have nothing to do with God. It's just being an American. Just, you know, I get several credit card offers a month. You know, most of them, I just tear it up. Uh, but, you know, the higher you get credit and better credit, and they, they raise your your level and your your amount uh, anybody can get in debt why is it so quiet in here uh, so as Americans standard of living high technology medicine prepackaged foods anything you want varieties flavors mixtures this has nothing to do with God your family because uh, anyone can procreate if, if God wills it and have a family or your friends, if you're friendly, you can have friends, be social. So we need to know what a blessing is. A blessing is something God in, does in your life that is good for you and it makes you happy because you're in his will and he had respect unto you and the ungodly will never get it. They've never experienced it. They don't know what I'm talking about. It's far, far from them. So in Psalm 1, blessed is the man that does these things. Psalm 2.12, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. If you want a blessing, trust God. Psalm 33.12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now that, I don't, can we say that in America right now? that we're the most blessed nation on, probably still are hanging on by a thread because the church, the New Testament, is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Psalm 44.1, Blessed is he that considereth the poor. 
You know, when I go to San Antonio, I see a guy holding a sign. I always consider him. I always think, should I give him money? And then I always want to ask, what are you going to do with it? You ought to at least consider. Psalm 84.4, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. What a great verse. One of the reasons we ought to be here today. You want God to bless you, dwell in the house of God. Don't pop in and out, live there. Psalm 112.1, Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. This is amazing. So when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, which is in the book of Matthew and Luke, it pertains to the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't doctrinally pertain to the church age, but it lists all these things which are the principles of the kingdom, and it's all, Blessed is the man that hungereth and thirsteth after righteousness, for he shall be filled. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All these blessings, but there is a condition. You have to meet the condition to be blessed. It's not just for anybody, and it's not the result of being in a certain nation, in a certain society. But I want you to, um, as, as this is concluded, I want to read this for you. It's really important. It's in Matthew 5, verse 10. Boy, people don't like this. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now listen, when that happens, you ought to get so happy. Amen. You realize the, the, one of the greatest blessings is to be rejected and persecuted. You know, don't get your feelings hurt, tuck tail and run, don't hide, don't quit, don't live in fear because of the persecution. Jesus said in verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I love it. And the next verse says, Ye are the salt of the earth. So, the greatest blessing is to be persecuted. Now, you've got to have some knowledge and to know the doctrine and to understand they persecuted the prophets long ago in the tribulation and the end and the last of the last days of Laodicea in which we live, it's going to get worse, worse and worse and worse, the persecution. Now, the more you know, the more the temptation comes to kind of be afraid. And I'll be honest. If you know what's out there and you study and you see what's being planned and what's going to happen, Temptation is to draw back. But we need to meditate on these things. We ought to, it ought to be a blessing. You say, it may hurt now. I'm going to get a reward for this in heaven. I may suffer now. Great is my reward in heaven. No matter what they do, no matter what happens, no matter what they say, men will revile us. But this has always been the case from the very beginning. Notice, what happened to Cain and Abel. You know, the book of beginnings. Abel brought what God requires of the, of the first things of the flock, a blood sacrifice. 
Cain was a narcissist, said, I'm not really that way. I like works religion. This is what I do. And he brought of the first fruit of the ground. How'd that end up? Cain rose up and slew his brother. He became the first murderer in this world. And nothing's changed. Those who are not respected, it's deep within their heart. They don't even know why. They hate those to whom God has respect. They despise them and hate them, and they don't even know why. There's no legitimate reason that's justified. So what did Jesus say? This is one of the greatest blessings of all. It ought to make you so happy. So remember, a blessing is what makes you happy. Now, if God gave you a new car and you worked hard and you learned to manage money and you chose wisely and God led you and that's really helping you to get to working back and churching back and to do go about, man, that's a great blessing. Unbelievable blessing. Or, you know, if you get a new suit of clothes and you're honoring God and you wear it to God's house and you want to glorify Him and that's important and that makes you happy when you put on your Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, that's a great blessing. I mean, this is really, if you get a, a new utensil or something, or, you know, something, and you get a juicer or what, you know, whatever you're into. If you get a new blender and it's even called a ninja instead of a Shaolin monk or whatever, whatever you have, and it's a blessing for your life, you'll know. And when you sit down and think and you yield to the Spirit and you really meditate, you'll know, well, that, God gave me that. God gave me this. I'm happy. I'm very happy. Nobody can take it away from me. I don't care what the world has. I don't compete or compare. This isn't a competition. I don't care if they think they're better than me or have more riches than me. This is the blessing of the Lord. There is a blessing that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. So, think about it. Are we the blessed of the Lord? Amen. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. No matter what happens to us, we ought to be so happy. Not sad. Not gloomy. Not depressed. Not negative or pessimistic. Like my mom used to say, not down in the dumps. Tomorrow shouldn't tomorrow be Monday, not blue Monday. We shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be drawn back. We shouldn't feel oppressed. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And we are to rejoice and be exceeding. He didn't now notice it. I'm through, but he didn't say be glad. Exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. When's the last time you got so happy for the right reason, from a blessing, and you started smiling, and you started crying at the same time you're laughing, and you realized, man, God blessed me. God had respect unto me. This is a total me, little old me. Look what the Lord has done for me. But so many people, they take all the fringe benefits of being an American citizen and blame it on God when God had nothing to do with it. And I hope you see what I mean by that. The blessing is when you're right with God, you're in His will, 
and you do what he told you to do, and he has respect unto you and your works, your offering, and then he bestows upon you something good circumstantially, and it makes you happy. And you say, well, what's good circumstantially about being persecuted? Because great is your reward in heaven. Great. You know, and, and some of us can't even get glad. Some of us Baptists think it's a sin to smile. I don't get it. You know, you're not supposed to be happy, smile. That's why I always say, smile, your face won't crack. Sing the songs and, and then realize, man, I'm going to get a big reward for this one. And mock on. It hurts. You know, I have feelings too, by the way. I'm a human. It hurts. But, man, this, I'm going to get a reward for this someday. So I conclude. Remember what happened to David when he was leaving and Absalom, his own son, had rebelled to an insurrection and usurped authority? And uh, the persecutor was cursing at him, throwing dust and rocks. And they said, let me go take off his head. And he had every right to as the king. Off with his head. He said, no. Let him curse. Let him alone. Let him curse. It may be the Lord will requite us some good because of this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's not my business to get mad and bow up like a rooster. It's, it's my business to turn the cheek, forgive, do good, pray for them. It's hard to do sometimes unless you're totally arrived. But the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. You know why? God gave me this. You can't take it from me. Good. You know, you may get some little bitty thing and it could be like a piece of jewelry. I don't know, something you... And go, man, this is from God right here. I believe God gave me this. This is special. I'm happy. We have no excuse to have a defeatist mentality. God is a respecter of persons. Amen. All right, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I'd ask that no one is leaving, no one is looking around.